0: hello and welcome to meet my potential podcast where we interview leaders from around the world to inspire you and to help you achieve your goals with ease and peace of mind this is your host Deepa Natarajan that Indian girl from Toulouse and i welcome you to this episode on what is it to return to our wholeness? We have with us Peggy McAllister and before we get into the episode, I would love for you to go check out our events page where we have lots of open programs dealing with various topics like women leadership program or how do we work around with politics in organizations and we also have the Dare to Lead program of Brinney Brown coming up. So do check out our website on the latest events at www.meetmypotential.com slash events as a high achiever. So let's begin the show and let me introduce you to Peggy. Peggy is a psychologist and has done counseling. She has 25 years of experience in executive coaching with 40 years in yoga and Qigong and Tai Chi and meditation and other body-mind practices. She's an executive coach and she is really a catalyst and she has done hundreds of programs for leaders across Europe, Asia and America. She uses a very simple tool called the Leadership Circle and she helps people achieve new insights and she enables them to create sustainable breakthroughs in their leadership, in teams, in innovation. And she brings results at the end of the day. Peggy is very, very insightful and I would love For you to welcome Peggy. Hello and welcome. Welcome Peggy. Thank you so much for accepting to be here on Meet My Potential podcast. I'm really excited to discuss what is Return to Wholeness. Mm, And
1: I'm happy to be here talking with you Deepa. So yeah, let's
0: talk about Return to Wholeness. All right. So tell us a little bit, what is Return to Wholeness?
1: The return to wholeness has a couple of basic assumptions in it that might be a bit different from what we're used to when we talk about development. So usually when we think about development, we think about we want to become something. And the return to wholeness is actually about returning to who you've always been, but you have somehow gotten disconnected from your wholeness. You've been living with a misunderstanding about who you are. So it's It's actually about returning instead of becoming, returning to a much larger expression of who you are than you're used to experiencing.
0: (laughs) It's very interesting because we have focused so much of our time and attention in becoming a creator of a company, becoming the CEO, becoming the manager, or becoming a certain person, a certain construct, or becoming a person who has their own successful business, or becoming a mother. We focus our attention on becoming someone. Yeah. So this return to wholeness,
1: I want to go a little deeper with it if I can, because it, it might explain why this drive is so embedded in our culture right now. Okay, sure. The Return to Wholeness is based on Michael Washburn's Identity Project. And Washburn's a psychologist who created this model that really helped to explain the creation of the identity and then the dissolution of the identity. So what he said, in essence, is, that we are born interconnected with everything and feeling, experiencing that interconnectedness, what um, Charles Eisenstein calls interbeing, the ecosystem. We, when we're very young, don't know that there's a me. We are just having an experience of life. And um, as we become Two, three, this identity begins forming. And the identity, according to Washburn, it's more of an idea of who I need to be in order to be safe. So if one of our gifts, for instance, is we come with a gift of relationship connection of the heart, we may find a strategy that uses that gift, but the strategy is to please everybody to make sure nobody doesn't like me, to make sure that I don't disconnect from people. And all of my focus in this identity is around making sure I'm the one who's liked or making sure I'm the one who, if my gift is to make things happen, to help things move in the world, I might use that and adopt a strategy in my identity to always be the winner and never lose. Always. I have to to win because if I lose, something horrible is going to happen. If I'm not liked, something horrible is going to happen. If I'm not the smartest one in the room, the one with the best idea, then I'm nothing. So as this identity is formed, there is, it's formed from a very young primitive brain that has an on switch and an off switch. It only knows I am the winner or I'm the loser. I am the smartest one or I'm really stupid. I am really liked or I'm not lovable. So what he says is that this identity begins developing. And if you imagine a bell-shaped curve when we're born, We come in on that left low end of the bell-shaped curve, and we're very connected underneath to the ground of being. And then we lift off out of that connectedness, and we move into a sense of separation. There's a me, and there's everything else. And as we experience this me versus everything else, we develop a need to prove ourselves, protect ourselves, defend ourselves. And it also gives us an invitation to join society and become someone who fits in to our culture. So this, what the leadership circle, which is a model that I also use in my work, calls the reactive, is at one point a very beautiful state of mind that helps the young teenager to integrate into their culture. But there comes a point when it's not so useful, this sort of state of mind of the reactive. And we move into what's called the creative, where instead of looking around, how do I fit in? What do I need to do so that I'm not unsafe, we begin getting in touch with what really has meaning for us. And instead of focusing on the external world and what I need to do to be accepted, all of a sudden we're focusing on what do I really want to bring into being? And that is really at the top of the bell-shaped curve of Washburn's Identity Project. It's like the full flowering of the identity It's what the leadership circle calls the creative state of mind. And in the creative state of mind, this identity is really delivering a lot of gifts to the world around it. Creative is sort of like a threshold to an even more sophisticated state of mind, which the leadership circle calls the integral state of mind. And as just as the bell-shaped curve, the peak is the creative as the curve begins going back down, that's when we enter the integral, which is a more sophisticated state of mind, but it's like a disintegration of this who I think I need to be in order to be okay. So the return to wholeness is about beginning to discover what are the mechanisms that hold this identity in place? Because until we know the mechanisms that are holding it in place for us personally, it has us, we don't have it. So these mechanisms are for most of us unconscious. We know part of them. And the mechanism is made up of beliefs about who we're supposed to be. It's made up of feelings that get triggered when we're not delivering who we think we're supposed to be and behaviors either something we do or we keep
0: ourselves from doing so I'm going to stop there and check in because I've just got a so many nice concepts, but shared in a very, very beautiful and integrated way nicely. So for those of you who are listening out there and you want to know a little bit more about the leadership circle, there's episode number 46 where Bob Anderson talks about conscious leadership. It's a great episode where you learn about what is the reactive side, what is the creative side, and what is that integral side. And he also shares some tips of how you can move from one stage to another. So do listen to that if you have more questions on what we're actually talking about with respect to the leadership circle. I'm just amazed, Peggy, at the level of depth of what is return to wholeness. And the first image that came to my mind uh, when you spoke about return to wholeness is that little baby picture of me, (laughs) you know, that uh, baby picture of me where I felt that well, my entire potential is locked in there and it's right there, but we never think of going back to that and you say, it's the ground of being. Well, absolutely, that's the ground of being, you know, that bell-shaped curve. We start off on this journey with these gifts, like you said, these gifts to please others and find our way in into society, these gifts to become smart and prove ourselves and, you know, make someone of ourselves by winning and by competing and by pushing ourselves. And finally, we evolve into creating and authoring our own life. And all this, actually, all this take off only to come back to that being that we were born to be.
1: Yeah. And if we're lucky enough, we do. We do <laughs> touch back into what has been here all along. There, there's a guy named Ajashanti. I don't know if you know of him. He teaches meditation and things all around the world. And he calls the identity a fiction in the mind created by a circular pattern of thinking based in separation. A fiction in the mind created by a circular pattern of thinking. We think over and over again. So we wake up immediately, my identity is trying to find ways to keep this idea of me alive. And all through the day, I am trying to feed what I think my identity needs. And I'm trying to avoid what I think will blow its cover, what I think will have me feeling like maybe I don't exist or I shouldn't,
0: or I don't have have any value. So what is it to actually live life without this project of returning to the self, to returning to wholeness? What would that look like?
1: I can give you an example of a client, a guy we'll call Sam. He, um, when I met him about 35 years old, was running a huge Global division for an automobile manufacturer. And he had been the golden boy through his career, through high school, college. He was always the one, you know, the one everybody wanted to bring into their projects. And the way he created success was he did a lot of it himself, you know. So he was up till two in the morning and he delivered, and everybody loved him. But the trick was he got to this position where he couldn't do it all himself. It was just way beyond anything he could do. And yet he couldn't figure out why he couldn't delegate, why he couldn't let the rest of the organization take some leadership.
0: Right. Distributed leadership.
1: Yes. So our first coaching session, he had gotten his feedback from his 360 and everybody's saying he's great and... He's got to really start relinquishing power and control. So at one point I said to him, so Sam, what's your success formula? And he said, well, I just don't fail. I said, really, (laughs) you don't? (laughs) I said, no. And he was so confident in that. And I said, well, what would happen if you did? And there was this really uncomfortable silence. And I could tell... He was, a lot of emotions were stirring. And I said, what are you feeling right now? He said, a lot of anger and I want to walk out of the room. (laughs) I said, ah, so it sounds like we're right up at something that's really important here around how you think you need to be.
0: Who do I become if I fail? Yeah. What's my identity if I fail?
1: Which he couldn't even begin to ask himself because he was so in the skin of, I can't fail, that it just wouldn't occur to him there was any option. So he began talking about how growing up, his father really, really strongly gave him the message that you have to win. There was like this urgency, you have to win, you have to win. And if you fail, you're nothing. You are nothing. You, you don't bring any value to me as the father. And so th- there was just no option for him. And as he began hearing himself say that, he just went, wait a minute, that is crazy, huh? And he began rethinking what it might look like if he weren't the only one doing it all. And he began redefining failure as a learning opportunity instead of a reflection of his value. And from there, he began turning loose his organization to create New products, new everything, and quarterly revenue just started going woo way up because he had a team that was turned
0: on, alive, seen as resources. Beautiful, very nice story of becoming conscious of what is the construct that I'm building about myself and how. I am attached and holding on to that construct. Yes. It's so easy to read in leadership books and articles, we need to let go. And you very beautifully explained through your example, what does letting go actually mean? Letting go actually, what I'm hearing is about relinquishing control of that construct of identity that I want to build about myself and put it out there in service of the world. Yes. As if
1: you were in the room with me and Sam, you would have seen how hard, just absolutely almost devastating it was for him to have to really sit with that sense that he could actually fail. So this is not easy work. Our comfort zone is in this identity. It really, for most people, I ask them to begin tracking what holds this identity together. And that is the unlocking. So for most people, it's not a lightning bolt like Sam. It's more a gradual noticing of what holds this identity together. And so I ask them to track what is it in the brain, in the mind? What are you telling yourself when you're locked in this, I have to win or else, I have to be the nice guy or else. What are you telling yourself in your mind about yourself, about the other person, and about the situation? So each time you find yourself locked in this, I have to win or else kind of identity or whatever your identity is, go, ah, what am I telling myself right now? Because once you begin seeing patterns around what you're telling yourself, that's part of the mechanism that's been a bit hidden for you. And uh, the glue that holds the identity together is this unconsciousness, is this lack of awareness of this mechanism. And once we bring the mechanism into the light of awareness, the glue can't stick like it did. It just doesn't. Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you for reminding us of, with that example, how important it is to journal. Mm-hmm. I've said this in one of my previous episodes, you know, how do you know that you've actually eaten a mango? Like, you know that a mango is a mango because you call it the mango. And as soon as you say that it's the mango, immediately what happens is our taste buds, you know, we recognize that taste of a mango. So to actually see everything in the conscious light of how our brain is actually interworking is actually to write down what happens to myself when I see this, when I'm in this situation? What is the impact of me when I'm acting this way, when I'm you know, holding onto this identity on others? And what is the situation I'm creating? And the more we write this, it's a very simple practice. It takes like five minutes. The more we write this, the more we become aware of the movie of our lives. And the more we can actually sit and watch that movie of ours unfolding, rather than being an actor and being so caught up in that identity, we can take a bit of distance. And then we can start to shift as to how we want to show up and how we want to be with ourselves first and how we can be with the others.
1: Exactly. Well said. Yes. There is something about putting pen to paper as we make these observations and then being able to track over time, wow, there really is a pattern here. And with that awareness, like you say, all of a sudden you have choice. Oh, maybe
0: I don't need to always do that. Hmm. So somewhere Peggy has just shared with us a very, very important tip that a path of returning to wholeness is to start to journal what's happening to me. And the way I'm being, how is this impacting others, and what is the situation I'm creating out of this?
1: Yes. And a key piece to add to that is what the voice in my head is telling me, because that's the piece that slips by us, that's hard to track. What is that voice in my head saying about these other people, about me? Yeah, Yeah.
0: exactly. What stories am I making right now? Yes. And I see this. What's the story I'm telling myself? Yes. So write down your stories. And it's not about uh, saying that this is the story that's going to be the truth. But as we write down our stories, we start to actually change our stories. Exactly.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah. And a story is a fiction, right? All stories are fictions.
0: And you said something beautiful about fiction, about our identity. Our identity is a fiction that we create. Yes.
1: So if that's the case, who are
0: you really? Wow. It's nice to not have answers to those questions, is it? Yeah.
1: And, and I would add one more really essential skill or tool or practice is some way to begin being in the here and now. I call it presence. Whether it is meditation, whether it's running, whether it's noticing the sounds around you, whether it's stopping for a moment and, and you're feeling inside. But the more you can be present in the here and now, the more access you're gonna have to your wholeness. When we are in the creative or the reactive, when we're in our identity, you'll begin noticing that your mind goes to the future and the past, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it limits what we're able to tap into resource-wise in ourselves and around us. But once we can be present, all of a sudden the scope of what we're able to notice and pay attention to, resources we're able to tap, things happening in the system around us that we're able to notice just opens up considerably. And that is where we begin tapping into our wholeness, is in the present moment. We can't
0: tap it unless we're here. Excellent, thank you so much, Peggy. So the first tip of actually to returning to our wholeness, to coming back, coming home to our full potential is to actually become present in the here and now. Yes. What's the second step?
1: Well, in fact, I'd call these three conditions that will help support your return to wholeness. And the one is presence. Be here now. Another is purpose. So to begin hooking up with what has meaning in your life, really to begin tapping into what matters to you and living that. So purpose.
0: Right. Because purpose is something that comes from within you and that is so important. When you are connected to that deep sense of purpose, these are not things that would change with the conditions because they're external factors, external events that you can't control in your life, which can have an impact on you. And purpose is something that is something that is totally within you. It's an insight out.
1: Exactly. It's an expression of who you are. So the more we get in touch with who we are, the clearer that purpose is. Yeah. So second condition is purpose. The third is partnership. Because as much as our self-awareness and this presence is key, so is being in community. So is remembering that we can't do this by ourselves. Um, We're all interconnected. So I I watched a video last night called Radical Interdependence, and it talked about the difference between being a heroic leader and acknowledging that we can't do it by ourselves anymore. It's just not possible. Yeah, presence, purpose, and partnership. With those three, we can indeed begin returning to who we are, have always been but this hypnotism of our identity has kept us experiencing just a small slice of it it's going to begin
0: opening up that experience beautiful i love these three conditions these are three great conditions to return to our wholeness and uh, at the same time i have a little question because a lot of people that i coach in organizations partnership is usually one of their biggest challenge Uh, I have a lot of Sam's that I'm coaching, (laughs) if I may say so. So, um, and I've been one of those Sam's also in my life. And uh, what's one tip that you would say about how do you approach partnerships? How do you approach creating those interconnections, creating those connections that are really deep and meaningful?
1: Mm.
0: The first word that comes to mind is curiosity. To be curious
1: about the other person. To be curious about hearing things through their ears, seeing things through their eyes. Um, Yeah, to be curious about what their particular perspective, the ingredients that they bring to this pot of soup, we're all cooking together. Um, I would say that's a key. If I'm curious about you, Deepa, and I express a desire to understand more of what you are thinking, seeing, feeling, how does that impact you?
0: Oh, it feels very inviting. And that's how i always felt in our conversations, Peggy. <laughs> very inviting and heard. And it creates a space for new ideas, for new seeds to be planted. Yeah.
1: So instead of going in as the expert, which is what our identity wants to do to prove that we know, to prove that we deserve to be here, instead of that, the invitation here is curiosity and openness to learn from the other as a first step in really building those bridges.
0: No matter how big an expert we are. Thank you so much, Peggy. That's very valuable. Can we drop that hat of expertise and really go and get curious with the other person? Beautiful. Yeah. That's a very first step to creating partnerships, to getting interconnected and learning from everybody. From
1: everybody. Everybody.
0: Exactly. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a wonderful conversation. And uh, before we close the call, would you like to share one last message with the audience?
1: I would say the thing that's most missing, trance of the identity, is trust. Trust in our instincts. Trust in the people around us. Trust that together we're going to find our way through whatever we're in. So the identity I see as a tightly, a tight fisted experience of life. And as we begin opening to our wholeness, this fist begins opening and there is a willingness to experience the unknown, to experience the complex and not to have to have the answer but trusting that the answer is here among us. And together we're going to figure it out. Thank you so
0: much for that visual expression. As you said that, we hold on to our fists tightly. We hold our fists tightly. We hold our identity there. And it's hard to open because we're afraid to lose something. And as we open our fists, we allow something new to come in and fill us up. Yes, Thank you so much for being here with us.
1: My pleasure, Deepa.
0: So for those of you who want to get in touch with Peggy, I'll put the links to her email address and her website. And she also has a program called Return to Wholeness. And I'll put a link to that website. So if you want to go check out that program, Return to Wholeness, I would 100% vouch that you will have the best insight and the most extraordinary time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. And if you liked this episode, please do go hit the like button and share it with your friends. And if you want to know more about Peggy, you can head over to -to www.tlc-return-to-wholeness.com. So that's tlc-return-to-wholeness.com. There's a hyphen between every single word. I look forward to seeing you here again in two weeks time. And until then, stay cool.